We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Patton. Jason, I think we might need to change the name of the podcast (laughs) because since we started this podcast, we've been very cynical about the state of the Bulls. I think, you know, our number one objective from our coverage was to sort of spotlight the organizational shortcomings that the Bulls have had. I think that uh, when Garpax finally got pushed aside and out of power, that like that was sort of all we ever wanted to accomplish. Right. (laughs) Finally, no more Garpax. We took credit for it. Coming into this season, we were like. Let's see what happens. I think, oh, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for myself. I was a little disappointed at the Bulls' lack of activity from Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley when you saw a lot of the other first-year GMs around the league uh, immediately start to overturn the roster. But Arturis Karnaschovas' bet is that with a significantly better head coach in Billy Donovan, the, the Bulls players would be able to recoup some of their value in that finally they would be able to see what this team really has. I think it speaks to just how bad Jim Boylan was that one of the worst teams in the league for the last two years, you couldn't even say with confidence that it was a bad roster because the coaching was so poor. But in a lot of ways, I think Karnaschovas has nailed it uh, in terms of his, you know, original outlook on the team being, let's see how these guys do with a better coach. Uh, Because it turns out right now, the Bulls look quite a bit better. The Bulls are still six and eight. Uh, if the playoffs started today, the Bulls would be outside of the playoff picture, but they're damn close. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but for the first time in a while, Jason, Chicago Bulls basketball is fun again. And are, are, we been, see, are we seeing red here today on this podcast? We might be seeing like the red. big red bus. <laughs> uh, and it's it's quite a thing to behold that the Bulls are really enjoyable to watch. They might not be quote unquote good. They might not have an obvious pathway towards contention. And maybe we could talk about that a little bit more in this episode. Uh, but 
they are so much better prepared. They're more organized. They're more adaptable in games. They're not a team that's just going to stick with one scheme the entire game. No, they have a head coach who can actually take in what he's seeing in the game and adjust his strategies. And, you know, the the main takeaway is that the Bulls are a, a downright enjoyable team to watch. And I am so happy that we're here. I'm a little bit surprised given the lack of <laughs> roster turnover, but uh, I love watching the Bulls, man. Who would have thought? Yeah, I know. Crazy. Especially after those first couple games where they just got their ass kicked and we were doom and gloom after that live pod, after that Hawks open where they, they were down by 40. And then the next game with that Pacers game where they were down, where they had like some huge runs where they gave they gave up and lost that game by like 30 as well. And they lost that Warriors game. They were 0-3. It looked awful. And since then, so they're what, 6-8 and now? So they're 6-5 and since that 0-3 start. Uh Again, they, they've had a couple games where they, they've been and they were close. I mean, they should have won. The last time we recorded uh, was right after that, uh, after the four-game road trip, and then they obviously missed the game. This Thunder game that last Friday, I mean, they should have won that game. That was an epic collapse. It kind of brought back memories of last season, unfortunately, where they lose a 22-point lead in Oklahoma City, and they lose 16-point lead in the last four and a half minutes, losing overtime. It was kind of like, oh, here we go again. But they instead of just folding – they had a, they faced in Dallas and then home against Houston a back to back instead of folding after that complete collapse against the Thunder they come back and played two really strong games and they basically dominated I would I would maybe not dominated totally but the Mavs game they led pretty much throughout and by double digits even with Luka Doncic going off in the first half I know the Mavs were missing a bunch of key guys like Josh Richardson Tim Hardaway Jr. Brunson they were missing like five or six rotation guys but they still did have Luka and K- Porzingis. Uh, and Luca did go off in that first half, but the Bulls basically crushed them. And then the Rockets game, they went up, I think, 17 points. The Rockets did get back into it, uh, made it really interesting at the end. But then the Bulls finished them off with a great play, great ball movement from Kobe White to Zach Levine to Larry Markin and splashes home a clutch three-pointer, and they win that game as well. Uh, and just the offense has been incredible. I, I've been tweeting some stuff the last couple of days. Just their shot-making has been just ridiculous over the last like few weeks. Uh, they're up to, I think since if you like throw out those first couple games of the season, those first two ugly games, they have almost a top five offense in the league. And that's even with them turning the ball over like crazy, which was the turnover stuff is still an issue. It was an issue against the Rockets that cost them the game against the Thunder. That's still going to be an issue and that kind of stuff. And the defense stuff, you mentioned how the Bulls aren't actually good. They certainly are not. They're still one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They are still cannot take care of the ball. The, The point guard issues are still an issue. Kobe White has not been playing very well. But besides that, their shot making has been just at an incredible level and consistently great. Just going back, over the last like couple weeks, like they're shooting around fifty percent almost every game. They're hitting like fifteen to twenty threes every single game. They they really haven't had any like just complete duds of a games. They've been competitive at every game. They've been, I mean, the, like I said, the last three games, even including that Thunder game, they've been building huge leads, like playing really well. The bench has been outstanding. The bench is crushing teams every single night with their veterans, with Thad Young, with uh. Garrett Temple with Denzel Valentine, as goofy as he is, like he's been pretty somewhat effective with his stuff. Ryan Archdiacono came back and he has been effective as well. So, like, 
I know the starters, the starting lineup has still been somewhat an issue. Again, Kobe has not played well. They did just get Lowry back and he's had some moments. The still the young core starting lineup together still hasn't been that great. There's still been some issues there, but like overall as a team, they're so much more competitive. The bench is crushing teams. They're shooting the hell out of the ball. Zach Levine looks like an all-star and it's at least fun to watch. So like, it's just such a huge step up from what we've seen in recent years. I know some fans as well. Like they're like they're worried. Well, they're gonna like do this. They're like they're playing great with all these veterans and these bench guys, and like it's gonna ruin their draft pick. And like you mentioned, like the the pathway to contention stuff. Like where's like how are they gonna end up? Like how can they turn into a championship contender? Like I mean, tanking towards the bottom isn't the only way you can build a team. Yes, right now it looks like they're a fun but probably mediocre, not great team. Like where does that leave them moving forward? I have no idea. That stuff we'll have to look at down the road. But like right now. Since the Bulls have been so shitty for what, three or four years since the Jimmy Baller trade, we've been looking for some at least baseline of competence, at least enter- entertainment. The, the, watching the NBA, watching basketball is also just an entertainment product, and it is just so much better these last since those first couple games. And it's it's really been a treat. Last the game against the Rockets last night was a ton of fun to watch. Like high level shot making, both both teams. I know the Bulls defense sucks, but like every time that the Rockets would make a run, the Bulls would hit a big shot and it's just very enjoyable to watch. I know Stefano, who we always shout out, wrote something about how their offense looks much better. Uh, Coach Nick at B-Ball Breakdown did that as well. Just how the, moving the ball, getting the ball into the paint, drive and kick. Um, and that, and uh, Stefano, I know, I know pointed out the ATOs are much better. I think Boylan, Boylan's Bulls are like one of the worst in the NBA at that. Just so much more just competence in general. And then the, and the offense has been legitimately elite this, besides the turnovers for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think Donovan deserves a ton of credit. And he was really a great hire by uh, Arturis Karnaschovas. My perception of Donovan on Oklahoma City more focused on the fact that like the team didn't get that creative in late game situations. It sort of just seemed like uh, they would let Westbrook cook. And Donovan, to me, seemed a little bland and a little boring of a hire. I could not have been more wrong. And should all of us be so lucky to follow someone in a new job who is as incompetent as Jim Boylan? Because <laughs> Donovan, I don't know if he's the best coach in the, he's not the best coach in the league or anything, but he is just so professional and so organized. And if you even listen to his press conferences, the Bulls Twitter account at Chicago Bulls uh, sends out like a Periscope link to his press conferences after every game. And even his press conferences are like super enjoyable. It's the complete opposite of Boylan. Instead of just this false machoism talking about spirit and heart, he'll like actually give you real answers about what he's seeing at the end of the games. He did that uh, on the last play of regulation after they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder when Zach sort of got the ball as kind of like a bailout option at the last second. Zach misses a shot. I was getting some texts from people being like, oh, you know, another terrible possession. But like Donovan actually broke it down. Like it was a pick and roll for Otto Porter Jr. Otto should have hit Lowry, who was the roll man on that play. Instead, he sort of freaked out when they blitzed the pick and roll. Ends up passing it to Levine, who just like got the ball with like two or three seconds left and had to shoot. So uh, I think, you know, the way Donovan has been able to manage the team has been incredible. And that's been absolutely the biggest difference. Uh, And then, you know, you could just go up and down the roster. And I think like the vast majority of the players are far outperforming where they've been the last few years. You look at Levine in particular. Levine has a 64% true shooting percentage right now, which is absolutely incredible. I think league average is around 55 or 56%. uh, And he's been good in terms of true shooting and scoring efficiency the last couple of years. Uh, Last year, he was just at about 57% true shooting. The year before, 575 
but this year he's been more efficient than ever. It's because he's getting to the foul line more than ever. His free throw rate is higher than it's ever been in his career. Uh, if you look at his three-point rate, he's taking a three on 47% of his shots. So while people like Joe Colley try to make the narrative that the Bulls are bringing the mid-range back, like actually Levine is just getting the ball in more comfortable spots on the to, floor. To that point, though, they they have start, they have shot a few more mid-range shots. I know this was, again, Stefano again wrote this today. He did mention how they've like Boylan was like a slave to like the like rim and three-point only. The Bulls have kind of shot more mid-range and we've seen a lot of like shots like in the paint with like Thad Young his like floaters and Patrick Williams is shooting insane from mid-range I think Garrett Temple is shooting well from mid-range but like but Zach yeah I mean Zach's still shooting a ton of threes and he gets the rim and he's shooting like 60% at the on two pointers I think this year because his finishing has been outstanding yeah his finishing has been absolutely incredible so I was going to bring that up on two-pointers he's shooting 59.9% right now on three-pointers he's also shooting uh, tying a career high, 38.7%. So Zach's been awesome. And then uh, not even touching on his scoring ability, but his playmaking is obviously uh, taking a jump up as well. And I guess what I look for in terms of the facilitating is like how much of the floor you're seeing is the ball yep. handler. So like the easy pass, I think, is typically to the roll man. But when you can make the skip pass to the corner, when you can spot guys along the perimeter and hit those guys with passes – that's something where like Zach is he's not even getting assists on all these passes because the Bulls miss shots. Sometimes the guys attack a closeout. Uh, but he's actually hitting guys spotting up on the perimeter in ways that he never really was before. So I think his scoring is, you know, has always been good, but it's getting even better. We'll see if he's able to maintain this level because he's been just absolutely nuclear as a scorer so far. His facilitating has gotten better. Now also it's worth noting that. Uh, the Bulls have had a lot of trouble still late in games. I think they sort of blew it against the Warriors. They sort of blew it. They definitely blew it against the Thunder. The Lakers was a winnable game against a good opponent, Granite. Uh, the Clippers was a winnable game. The Kings was a winnable game. So, you know, when we talk about the Bulls being 6-8, and eight, they could easily have a much better record. But the nice thing, at least from a perspective of fandom, is that there is no pressure on this season. I think everyone is generally exceeding their expectations. And it's just made the Bulls sort of like a feel-good team that kind of can't do any wrong, and especially when you compare it to the rest of the Chicago sports scene right now. <laughs> Besides for my White Sox, who are loaded, but even them, like they hired Tony La Russa. Uh, <laughs> so there's still something, you know, sort of dragging you back to reality, but... The Bulls are a breath of fresh air right now, and, uh, you know, what a world. All we needed was for Garpax to finally be given the door, shown the door, and uh, things have started to turn around rather quickly. Absolutely, and just, like, to the point of, like, kind of going up and down the roster, like, if we want to do that, we talked about Levine. He still has his turnover issues, but the points we all mentioned, he's shooting the shit out of the ball. The playmaking has advanced a bit. Uh, I think his defensive effort has at least improved. I still don't think he's very good. You still see him missing rotations. That kind of bears itself out in some of the on-off numbers and, like, the lineup data where it still doesn't look that great for him on the court, but that's not all his fault still. Like, in terms of his offense and his scoring, uh, he's one of the best scorers in the NBA right now, like legitimately. And he said the playmaking is coming along. If he can just, if he, if he can cut down the turnovers a bit more, and then I think the defense is what it is. And then the late game stuff, I, it was nice to see him make that late, that pass to Lowry instead of like chucking up the three himself, making the, just the extra pass to Lowry for that open three. That, I mean, that was nice to see. But sometimes we still do sometimes see him devolving into some ISO stuff. We saw in the Thunder game, he shot a couple early threes, uh, 
that and that he missed and that kind of helped the Thunder get back in that game. So that's kind of the stuff is still kind of there. So that he'll continue to work on that. And I think having Billy there is hopefully well helpful. I think the players they seem to believe in him. But again, even moving past him, like Lowry shot the ball really well. Uh, I know that hasn't totally again in terms of like the team success with like all the young guys on the court hasn't always shown, but like he's legitimately shooting the ball, ball much better. It looks much more confident. Um, I think it was the, the Mavs game. He had a, while the bench was killer that game, he had 29 and was generally very aggressive. His free throw rate is way up. I think he's at like five, four or five attempts per game, which is well up um, for this season. If you look at Wendell Carter Jr. After his awful preseason and his terrible first couple games, he's at least competent most nights now. Um, I mean, and then you look at like those Patrick Williams, he's been great. He's shooting the shit out of the ball as well. He's like 50% from three, killing it from mid range for a rookie at his age. He's been awesome. All we could expect. You look at the veterans. I wrote about this at Bloggable the other day. Garrett Temple is like over 60% true shooting, blowing out his percentage out of the water. Thaddeus Young looks fantastic. He's doing all his work in the paint. Remember last year, he complained about his role. He was doing a lot of floor spacing. Now he's only taking like a three per game. And he's doing just dominant in the paint. He's shooting like six, making almost two thirds of his two pointers because he's basically just like taking advantage of mi- advantage of mismatches down low. He's playing a lot of five as well, uh, and then he's also doing a lot of passing. I know he's he's had some turnover issues as well, but uh, he's averaging right now like a career high three assists per game, and he's never done that before despite only playing twenty three minutes per game right now. So like his assist rate is way up using him in like the high post, and he's finding finding shooters and doing that and cutters and that kind of stuff. So like he's clearly just being used so much better this season than he was last season. And then you keep going. Manson Denzel is Denzel. I think has the best plus minus on the team. It's either him or Thad for as, like I said, as goofy as Denzel can be. And I'm going to write about him for bloggable as well. Like we saw him, we see him throw up some of the most ridiculous shots. He did it a couple times yesterday, but like he's been for like a third or fourth, like bench guard or whatever. Like he's been killing it with this bench unit with, with temple and Thad, He's shooting like 40% on threes. He does make some nice passes sometimes. So like even Denzel, like as annoying as he can be, and we always make fun of him for his overconfidence for what he is as a player, but like he's been pretty effective for what he is, which it, it's it's crazy. And then just, just, yeah, just like everywhere. It's been, they just all seem to believe in what they're doing. And the offense just looks so much better when they're, at least when they're not turning the ball over. And it's just been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And it's, it is refreshing, like you said. Yeah, I want to touch on Lowry real quick. Lowry Markinen finally has a positive BPM. BPM hey. is kind of like an all-in-one stat that sort of captures, <laughs> all, you know, on-court impact. It's not the best stat ever, but I, I think it generally does a pretty good job. They have it in college, too. It's always a stat I look at in college. Lowry Markinen for every year of his career, has had a negative BPM. This year, he is at 0.5 BPM, positive player on the floor. It's beautiful to see. I tweeted this earlier, but finally, Lowry sort of living up to his reputation as a three-point shooter. Last year, he shot 34.4% from three. His career high was his rookie year. He shot 36.2% from three. And, you know, this is a guy who his go-to skill is supposed to be a shooting ability. We haven't really seen that play out on the court in his first three years in the league. This year, Lowry Markinen, 40% from three. And yesterday he went four of 11 from three. So, you know, that actually brought down his percentage a little bit. He was at 41% before, but I love that he's jacking threes. He's taking 7.1 threes a game. 
which is huge. His three-point rate, higher than ever. Uh, 56% of his shots have been threes. But his true shooting percentage is 64%, just like Zach's, which is huge. Uh, his career high is 56%. So to have, you know, be at 64% this year is incredible. Getting to the line, definitely helping that. Was, he is shooting a ton of threes, but he also has been showing a bit more in terms of driving the basket. And he's been getting to the line because of it. And that's, and that's, and that's how you get, you combine the three-pointers and then shooting free throws and like layups. And that's how you get a 64% true shooting percentage. It's great. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. But he does still have, you know, sort of a lot of the same deficiencies. Like yeah. his assist percentage is the lowest it's ever been in his career. 5.8%. That's terrible. Uh, you know, still not really an impact blocker steals guy or a rebounder. Yeah, but Lowry, there. Lowry, if he can at least be a high volume at 40% three-point shooter, he's a useful player. And, uh, you know, that would just be really big for the development of the franchise. Of course, they didn't sign him to a deal before the season when Lowry said that, you know, he did want to be here. They chose not to sign him. I still wonder if he's someone they move long term. But, uh, you know, in terms of the way that Karnaschovas and Donovan may eventually want to build this roster, I think they're definitely going to want to have shooting in the front court. Uh, Carter, for as well as he's played recently, he's still not a threat to hit from the outside. So, uh, you know, do, do you think that they're going to regret not signing Lowry Markkinen to a deal? Do you- I, I, I don't really think so. I mean, it's like, I mean, he just missed a lot of time and I feel like they still, I mean, they looked pretty good without him. I mean, they're, they didn't miss him defensively and they didn't really miss him offensively either. I mean, he didn't play on the West Coast trip uh, and their offense was fantastic. Like, I don't think they really missed him at all. So like they can kind of. I think he's definitely helping his value right now. And like, if he can, if he plays like this all year, like if they brought him back, like, I guess if he played like this all year, what you said, he's average, he's shooting 40% from three. What is he averaging? Like 18, 19 a game total. I don't, I don't have his stats brought up in front of me right now. Do uh, you have him? Yeah. He's averaging 18.9 points a game. So he's what, like 18 and eight, 18 and nine, something like that. if he, if he like basically just like kept these numbers all season, like I mean, what kind of contract is he looking for then? Like, 18, Pro- like probably 20 million a year, probably. I, I was going to say he's more. probably looking at the Levine deal of four years, 80 million. Yeah. Which, so like, if he does that, like, would I hate if the Bulls, if he actually does do that and is like, and the Bulls are like pretty good, like, would I hate paying him that? No. I mean, you, I think that's very tradable if you really wanted to. Or, and I mean, maybe someone does come in with some massive deal and overpays him. Like, but even then, if they like let, if they did let him go, like, I don't really think it would be that bad. Like, if you're, you still have Patrick Williams there. I, it would it might, maybe it'll depend on what else you do with the rest of the roster, but like I think they're in a decent spot with Lowry. Like I don't think I don't don't really think uh, they're regretting it just yet because I don't think he's like in a situation where he's going to like totally blow up and be like max level guy like like the Jimmy Butler thing. So like, but if he like just kind of plays like this for the rest of the year, like he'll he'll get a nice contract and he'll, he'll get more than the Bulls will probably much more than the Bulls were probably offering this this past offseason. But like I don't, I don't think it'd be some exorbitant amount where they'd. Like feel horrible about matching at least I, I I don't think so I mean maybe not again it, sometimes it only, only takes one team and especially with this upcoming free agency class isn't nearly as good as uh, it was looking like like before maybe some team would offer him a ton of money but I think I think it's fine I I have no problem with the way it's playing right now it's great that he's playing much better again if anything his trade value is going up and maybe they do look to move him at the trade deadline if I mean a lot of that could depend on where the Bulls are at like if we want to talk if we want to look kind of look ahead here right now with. The Bulls are six and eight. I mean, there's a huge just kind of log jam in the Eastern Conference right now where there's basically five teams right above the pack. It's the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, who just traded for James Harden, the Pacers, but the Pacers have, having some injury problems. They just lost, uh, they've lost TJ Warren. They've just lost Miles Turner, except I don't think he's going to miss much time, but still he's hurt. 
Do they have somebody else missing? Oh, I mean, they traded for Karis LeVert, and he's got, like, possibly has, like, a cancer on his kidney, so who knows when he'll play. Uh, and then the the fifth team, I'd have to look up these. Uh, the Sixers, obviously the Sixers. So then, But then, like, after that, I think the Knicks are the sixth seed right now. It's like the Knicks, the, the Knicks, the Cavs, like, the Magic, the Bulls, the Hawks. Like, all these teams are just kind of in a kind of in a jumble, and, like, I mean, the Bulls, would you really say, like, the Bulls are, like, any worse? Like, I feel like they could be almost as good as all these teams. I do think probably, like, the Raptors, are, who are starting to come around, they're, they're up to 5-8. and eight. They've won three in a row. And the Heat, who've been missing Jimmy, they've been missing a ton of guys because of COVID stuff. Like, I feel you feel like the Raptors and Heat will probably end up moving up. So that, But then the Bulls are right there, like, possibly as, like, the one of the better teams out of that, out of that group of kind of just middle-of-the-road Eastern Conference teams. So you do wonder, like, if the Bulls – are sitting in the spot where they're like they could get the eight seed, which would be a would be a playing tournament. If they're in like a great spot to get that to get a playing spot, like what what would you do? Do you would you sell off guys or would you look to add to the roster at this point? Are you still think they should add to their asset? We we've talked about before how they need to add to like they need to build their asset base because they're still again we're, if we're talking about building a championship contender, they're still not there. They could still use more assets there. So like I, I'm curious to see how like where that line is between. Do they sell guys? Do they just kind of stamp out with the roster they have with their mix of young guys and veterans? Do they try to add to the roster? The Bulls do have, like I said, they basically have like all their first round picks, I'm pretty sure. So that, that'll be very interesting. I guess, what do you think? Like, where do you think like the line would be there? Yeah, here's what I said earlier. Like, every NBA championship for the last nine years has either been won by LeBron, Steph, or Kawhi Leonard. LeBron was the first pick. Steph was the seventh pick. Kawhi was the 15th pick. So there isn't just one way to rebuild, right? And while I did think that coming into this year, what I really wanted the Bulls to do is either improve their talent base or their asset base, I do think that, you know, there is a scenario where they could just keep this thing together, let it marinate, let it grow, and then next time there's a big star on the market, make a trade. We never really saw Garpax make any impactful trades uh, outside of Otto Porter, really. But, you know, that is something that this front office is going to have at their disposal. And I think, like, still, you have a lot of pieces on this team that are imminently tradable. What I would sort of like them to see still, what I would sort of like them to do still is trade Otto and trade Thad in season. Because I think that both of those guys could really help a contender. I would like to think you could probably get a first-round pick for both those guys. Now, is that realistic? I'm not sure. But here's what I'll say. Robert Covington fetched two first-round picks from Portland this year in this offseason. <laughs> Last season, Marcus Morris fetched a first-round pick uh, going from the Knicks to the Clippers. So it's possible, right? And even if you're not getting first-rounders, I think that there's a scenario where you could just be getting a bunch of assets back. If you trade those two guys, the performance of the team is going to slip significantly. I don't think that if you take Otto and Thad away from this team that they can still make the play-in tournament. I think that a lot of the negativity that me and you were spouting off, specifically me, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, after the first <laughs> game, first two games, uh, was based on, you know, the starters looked pretty brutal. The starters have still been performing pretty poorly based on the numbers, but the bench has really stabilized the rest of the team, right? So yeah. if you were to trade Otto and Thad, get picks back, you're also improving the value of your own pick. Even if you're just missing the play-in tournament, with the new odds for the NBA draft lottery, 
there's definitely a scenario where you could jump all the way up into the top three or something. So uh, that's sort of what I would like to see them do. And then they're going to have all this cap space, hypothetically, in the offseason. We'll see what happens with Markkinen. But then you could sign the replacements of Thad Nato uh, in terms of being stabilizing veterans to the team moving forward and have a better asset base. So I think, like, in a perfect world, that's sort of what I would like to see them do. I still would not be opposed to trading Zach, for sure. The question is, where's the value? Are you actually going to get a great package for Zach back? If you can, I probably wouldn't hesitate to trade him, even though I do think there's a scenario too where like, you know, Zach's contract is up not at the end of this year, but at the end of next season, maybe you resign Zach. He's still young. Uh, I don't think Zach is going to get a max contract. A max contract for a player on his third contract in the league is $35 million annually. Zach right now is making $20 million annually. Is he going to get a $15 million raise a year? Probably not. But what if you can get him for a $5 million raise a year or a $8 million raise a year? I think, you know, there's still a scenario where Zach could be in their long-term plans, uh, especially given, you know, some of the offensive improvements he's made this year. Now, I do think that, like, if Zach Levine's your best player, your ceiling is still going to be capped. I think that you could make Zach even more effective if you were to put him next to a big creator, offensive facilitator, a uh, natural point guard who could, you know, have him in more of an off-ball role. Uh, he, I, I think the sweet spot for Zach Levine would be your second best offensive player and maybe your third best player overall if you're talking about, like, being on a great team. But... Uh, you know, they have a lot of different ways they could go about this. Karnaschovas and Eversley, they could, I think, sell off some of these young pieces. I think they could sell off some of the veterans and then try to use their cap space this summer to add new veterans. So it's it's going to be really fascinating. And to me, like the big shortcoming on the team is still the lack of point guard play. Not having Sadoransky because of COVID has really hurt them. Uh, it's also worth noting that, like, you know, in some of these games, uh, COVID has been impacting the other team, just like it's been impacting the Bulls. And it's been clouding over this whole season. And it sort of makes you feel like, you know, how much can you really take away from this year? But, you know, the Bulls have, I think, been affected by the virus as much as any team outside of maybe the Celtics and the Wizards so far this season. So uh, you don't really know what Sadoransky, like what he's going to give you this year when he comes back, how that's going to go. But I do think that, like, you know, if you're looking for sort of a, a keep the core together but just sort of add talent to it type of trade, I think, like, trading somebody, whether it's Lowry, maybe Kobe, maybe Wendell, who knows, for a point guard with upside, Lonzo Ball is a name I'll throw out there. I don't, like, I know people hate Lonzo. A lot of people do. Uh, I'm not saying specifically Lonzo, but maybe him, maybe someone else of that ilk, a point guard, natural facilitator with some upside. Uh, that could be sort of a short-term move they could make and then like maybe re-sign Zach and keep the whole thing together. So they got options, man. And what's really nice is that we can actually trust Karnaschovas to handle this with care and to not make short-sighted moves and to hopefully make sharper moves than I think Garpex would have. And Karnaschovas hasn't done much, but what he has done so far has really, really worked out well. The Billy Donovan hire was awesome. Uh, Garrett Temple was his only free agent signing, but Garrett Temple's been amazing. Patrick Williams, most people thought was a big reach at number four. And if nothing else, Patrick Williams looks worthy of being the fourth pick in the draft. So, you know, he's three for three on the moves he's made this year. I think the moves he makes next are sort of going to determine the future of the franchise in terms of what direction the franchise is taking. But 
we wanted Garpax gone. Garpax is gone for all intents and purposes. And uh, Karnaschovas is going to have a bunch of different avenues he could potentially take the team in to shape them how he wants to moving forward. And it's going to be really fascinating to watch. I'm not going to sit here and be super, super critical of whichever direction he chooses, whether he does decide to sell off Levine and some of their better players, or if he decides to keep it together and, you know, maybe their ceiling is only the fifth seed in the East or something, but next time a superstar becomes available a couple of years down the line, you can make some moves. So uh, the Bulls are really at a fascinating inflection point in their rebuild, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Karnashovs takes the franchise from here. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and just the, with the trade stuff between, like I said, kind of just like straddling that line, like if they do trade veterans or if they do make a bigger move, I, I'm very curious. Like it's and it's and it's fun. Like it'll be it should be an exciting trade deadline for the Bulls, like you said, because they could go in different ways, whether they do move a vet or two or whether they try to make a, even a bigger trade. Sometimes you never know who could become available. Like sometimes stuff gets crazy. So I'm curious. I, I feel like they I have to assume that they'll trade at least one of their vets. Like it feels like Otto. Otto's huge salary makes makes him a little harder to move, but and I mean, they, I did, and I guess I'd, with Thad, like Thad has been so good, and like his like off the bench, he's been incredible, and his plus minus is ridiculous, and he's been so efficient and just overall just so helpful for them. Like, I, like I maybe they just don't want to trade a guy like that. Maybe they want to roll with that through this season and try, and try to do makes. I don't want to say make noise in the playoffs because like the best they'll be is probably a lower seed if they actually made it through the plane and then played like probably get waxed by the bucks or nets or something like that but i mean i know people there's value in making the playoffs even if uh even if you do get smoked especially with all these young guys who've never been there and a guy like zach who's who's been talking about winning and and the lack of winning how he wants to win and it makes you look better for other players maybe to try to get get them to come to chicago so yeah they are the bulls are in an interesting place it is a lot more fun than being total shit i know i understand to some degree, like the whole, well, you know, like with where they are, they need to just tank and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just not on that. I'm I'm enjoying the the competent basketball, the entertaining basketball, uh, and hopefully that they can keep it up. Like I said, we'll we'll see. I'm, I am cur- especially like this, this hot shooting. I, I I am very curious to see like how long, like if this is just like some small sample size, just stuff like hot streak, and if this if there's regression coming because again they're shooting like 48 percent like overall. I think they're at like 38, 39% from three as a team. They take, they have a pretty high volume. They're shooting great on free throws as well. They're rebounding really well. I'm just curious to see like if this is all legit stuff or this is all just kind of a hot streak. And as the season goes on with this weird season wear and tear, like if they're going to be able to keep it up. I mean, so far that they're, they're just doing a lot of things. Well, they're doing some things poorly as well, as we've mentioned the defense and the turnovers, but the rebounding has been great. Shooting has been great. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. I also I forgot to mention Daniel Gafford. I want to give him a shout as well because he's also killing it off the bench. Like, basically, all the Bulls bench guys have been killing it like just consistently. It's been just up and down the roster. They're getting contributions from everybody, and that's it's just been really nice to see after like after recent years when we've been watching just like a lot of bums play. The Bulls don't have many like bums playing. They have even even Arch as much as we've made fun of him. Like he's been effective too. So like all these guys, they've been just up and down the roster. They're playing with some confidence. And they're looking pretty good. So it's that's good. Ricky, you got anything else? We could wrap it up here now. Yeah, I tweeted the upcoming schedule a couple days ago, but I'm just going to read this off to you. This is their next yeah. 11 games. At Charlotte. Very winnable game. 
Yeah. Home versus the Lakers on a back-to-back, that would be a schedule loss anyway. So it's sort of nice that it's against the Lakers because that would be a yeah. loss regardless. All right, so we're going to say one and one there. Uh, versus Boston on the 25th. I mean, Tatum's got COVID. I think he'll I'm, be back by then. That's okay. like a week away. I would guess he'll be back by then. But I, if he's not, that's obviously huge for them. Uh, coin flip game, maybe. I mean, Boston's yeah. probably the favorite, but uh, we'll say Boston's the favorite. We could give him one and two. At Memphis, Jaws back and Jaws been killing it. They're like, yeah, they're like four or five. I mean, that's a toss up game. I mean, it's definitely winnable, but toss up. Memphis has been playing a lot better. They're seven and six now. And Jaws back, like you mentioned. So that's like a straight toss up game, I feel like to me. Uh, versus Portland. I mean, they just no, had the big comeback to beat Portland. CJ's hurt. Nurkic hurt. I mean, they're, I think that's another probably toss up just because with Dame there, you, you never really count out Dame. But like that Blazers roster now with all those injuries is kind of, I don't want to say trash, but like not great. I mean, that's definitely another winnable game. Again, I probably game. toss up, probably toss up, but very winnable. Then two in a row at home against the Knicks on February 1st and February 3rd. Those are going to be all out battles. And Jason, uh, I feel like we really deserve a Bulls Knicks playing series after all the garbage <laughs> everyone has been through. Bulls versus Tibbs in the playing series, give it to me. Uh, even though I do think it's probably in the Bulls' best long term interest to miss the play in and to maybe have their lottery pick jump up because of the odds. Whatever. We're not talking about facts. I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to say right now the Bulls are making the play in. I'm putting it down right now. They're going to do it. I'm cool. in. They're going to make it. Uh, well, I think the Knicks are probably going to go. Balls to the wall to make it too. Yeah, yeah. With, t- two. yeah, with Tom Thibodeau, they're absolutely and and they've looked better. I mean, I, they just beat the Celtics by like thirty. They beat their ass. I know the Celtics just it was like a weird matinee game. Those games can be weird, but like they beat their ass. And they had the Knicks have some huge wins. Their offense absolutely sucks. They can't shoot for shit. But like they've been defending yeah. like they're they're like a perfect Tom Thibodeau team. Their offense sucks ass, and but they're defending the hell out of teams and playing really hard. And there's and and they're six and seven. So like that's uh, I I figured the Knicks were going to be terrible this year because. I just like don't believe in their talent at all, but uh, I mean, right so far they've been they've exceeded expectations, kind of like the Bulls. And then there's two against Orlando. That'll be another team. The Bulls. The Magic are garbage. Them. I mean, you got to get at least one of those, maybe both of them. The Magic, they, since they lost faults, I don't think they've won a game. Their offense is terrible. You got to win at least one, maybe two of those. Uh, then versus Washington. I mean, I don't even know if the Wizards are going to be able to finish yeah, this season. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a sad situation. Like we laugh about it, but yeah, it sucks. So you know. Wizards, they got six or seven guys with COVID right now. Yeah, very bad. tough. All right, well, then you got versus New Orleans on February 10th. Uh, so those are the next 11 games. Over that I mean, stretch, once you get past that, like, especially with, with CJ, once you get past that Boston game, and the Hornets game, you could win. I mean, that's that's probably a toss-up. The Hornets have been okay, and Lomelo's looked really nice. Hayward's been good. But, I mean, they're only 6-8, and eight, so, like, toss-up game. Maybe the Bulls can win. Again, they'll, they'll probably lose to the Lakers. You'll probably lose to the Celtics. And then after that, I mean, a bunch of very winnable games there. I mean, you mentioned the Pelicans there at the end. The Pelicans haven't looked that good. I know they have Zion. They got Brandon Ingram is playing is playing well, but like they can't shoot. Their offense isn't any good. I was watching them against the Lakers the other night. They just weren't impressive at all. I know that was against the Lakers, but like in general, they just haven't looked that good. So like, and that's a lot of winnable games where they can the Bulls could at least hover around five hundred at the very least. If, you think like ideally again hopefully you never know what will happen with COVID again I mean, if guys test positive if there's contract tracing or just injuries in general the, besides the COVID stuff the Bulls have done pretty well with injuries again, like I mean Zach's been healthy the whole year basically all, most I know like Otto's been kind of in and out and Patrick Williams just was dealing with a hip injury lately but like 
if take away the COVID guys, like at least there haven't been like any bad injuries yet because we've seen some bad injuries kind of crop up over these last couple weeks here with the season. So like knock on wood that the Bulls can avoid any major injuries or any like extended COVID absences like that they've had already. Hopefully that's will be behind them and they have an opportunity here. We we said at the beginning of this year, like with the start of the year it looked tough, but once you got into February. It even it uh, eased up a bit, and so far we're mid January, and they're six and eight, which I think is better than we thought would happen. Uh, I know there have been some schedule quirks there with injuries and the COVID stuff that have helped them out, but I don't think that most people figured they'd be six and eight right now, given the schedule. Looking at it before the season, so since they've kind of made it through this right now, like they have a decent opportunity to just kind of hang around here. And like I said, I'm sick. I'm going to say it right now: they're making the damn play in tournament. Even maybe maybe that's not the best thing for them, but it would at least be fun to watch them make that play in tournament and possibly get into the playoffs in general. And even if they did like, it'd be awesome to play a first round series against like the nets or something, even if they got their ass beat, like just to watch the nets play and the nets big three, I'd love a bulls nets first round series. And I'm going to rant about this on a future episode. I don't know how many people are making it to minute 38 of our cash considerations <laughs> episode, but never for, because we are us, Jason, I need to note this. Never forget that when the bulls were interviewing uh, GM candidates, they asked them to keep an open mind about retaining Jim Boylan, probably (laughs) because he was the cheapest coach in the league and probably because he kissed their ass constantly. But, oh, my God, why would you ever ask executives to keep an open mind about keeping Jim Boylan? The Reinsdorfs honestly wanted to keep Jim Boylan. They had to get their arm twisted to fire the guy. Just firing him has changed the entire outlook of the franchise. It is so unforgivable. They ever even asked anyone to consider keeping Jim Boylan when he was clearly the worst coach in the NBA. Ridiculous. So, Karnaschovas, keep advocating for yourself. Don't listen to the Reinsdorfs. You do you. Fire Jim Boylan, you know, every day. Again. (laughs) Fire Paxson, please. That would be great, too. I cannot believe... That that is the reality the Bulls lived in. Boylan just looks worse and worse and worse as the Bulls look better. True. Yeah, I mean, if, like I, I will be very happy to be wrong with this Bulls team. Like, so obviously, we did not have super high expectations, but if they like outpace our expectations, not only will it just be fun for us, but just it will just give us another opportunity to laugh at how bad Jim Boylan was. And, <laughs> so, like that's great. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's it for me. That wraps it up. So yeah, that, that's that'll be it for us here. We've been ranting here at least for the last like ten minutes or so. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, for cash considerations. Again, just one more time, the Bulls have a couple days off now. They don't play again until Friday. They play LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward in Charlotte. That's a 6 p.m. tip in Charlotte. Uh, 6 p.m. local, like Chicago time. Uh, and then they got the Lakers, a fun uh, back-to-back with the Lakers on Saturday night, so that'll be hopefully a lot of fun. We'll see with the Lakers, which guys will play. I know AD didn't play last game. It'd be I, ho- I hope the Lakers play a full roster instead. I'd like to see the Bulls match up against a fully loaded Lakers team. And then the Celtics. So yeah, we'll probably our next pod will probably be after that Celtics game. So three more games for our next pod. Probably we'll we'll figure that out here soon. But uh, that'll be it for us here at Cash Considerations. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network with the NBA in full swing here. Go check out all the other great Blue Wire uh, NBA pods across the network. And we of course we also have the NFL where we are approaching Championship Sunday in the NFL. Four teams left. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. A couple great matchups. Hopefully Patrick Mahomes is able to play against the Bills and then Packers. Bucks with I know as Bears fans we hate the Packers but Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady finally playing in a playoff game that should be a lot of fun so that obviously we have good NFL pods across the network as well and a bunch of other pods on Blue Wire for us cash considerations uh, 
please rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places where you listen to your podcast. You can you know where to find us on Twitter as well. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at, at SBN underscore Ricky. Let us know how we're doing or let us know if you have any ideas for future pods or anything like that. We're always down to talk on Twitter, especially now that the Bulls are actually kind of fun to talk about again. So that's a lot of fun as well. So we will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy, guys. This has been Cash Considerations, Chagables Podcast, and we're kind of seeing red again. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.